I wonder how much of like where we abandon ourselves in order to feel loved. Which in and of itself is a paradox. Oh, not even a paradox, sorry. It doesn't, it's not a paradox. It's not holding the two ends. It's actually, it's a contradiction is the word that I was wanting. Absolutely. Which in and of itself is a contradiction because we can only receive love to the depth at which we receive ourselves. And if we're self-abandoning, we can never receive love to that depth. Absolutely. So, yes, when you speak to the but, it's usually a shadow. Yeah. So there is usually something within ourselves that we are not yet willing to confront. So, therefore, we're playing it out and allowing ourselves to accept it in another. Do we feel like there is a, like... Oh, because this could go on quite a, like, I hadn't thought about this actually. But do we think that, like, the inability to actually, like, do the work within ourselves, right? Because I, I I think, like, issues within the context, within the space of relating, right? Because I, I like how you describe the relationship as an entity mm-hmm. because it is. But issues that arise in that space of the relationship. Like I have a firm belief that it's like, ah, this is probably mine to clean up here. You know, I can ask for space to be held for me. I can ask for support. And I can seek to do this within the dynamic of the relationship or I can seek external support if I feel like it's really like you've just been a mirror here. I'm not sure what your role is in helping me resolve this, but I probably need to go and talk to someone else about it. So do you feel like that this is like, and this is an opinion piece again, the like the high incidence of like relationship breakdown? Is this like one of the biggest contributors to it? Not being able to distinguish is what is a me thing, what's a you thing and what's an us thing? Is that what yeah. you mean? Yeah, I think so. I think because if you observe how we're taught relationships are to operate, it was, there's this degree of this other person is responsible for completing me. Mm-hmm. And that's where I, I spoke. I really did take pause when I was speaking to the idea of uh, understanding that my standards and my expectations are my yeah. responsibility. Absolutely. That in and of itself, I feel that lack of self-responsibility in relationship is a big contributing factor. That Mm. capacity to be able to go, okay, where am I expecting my partner to resolve something within me? Yeah. I actually don't think it's possible at all on any level. I think there's a possibility to work through an issue together as contributors to it in terms of like, you know, that statement, you complete me, it's it's problematic in itself. Hugely. It's this idea that, you know, you are two complete people and you're coming together to build something together, Mm. together and in, in addition to. Do you think it's possible to be happy for someone who does think 
that another person completes them in the space of relating? Well, happy in and of itself is a state. True. So happy, yes. Fulfilled, probably not. Mm. If you speak to a lot of couples, are you happy? Yeah. So what's the nagging sense of missing then? Yeah. Which is really a lack of fulfillment within self. Absolutely. Are we really happy, right? Or do we have happy moments? Mm. And I think, you know, if we're not willing to... Uh, also a serial relationship person here who has, you know, up until now not been willing to look at like the overall relationship as like a whole but has focused on the happy moments in the relationship and made that be, oh, well, that's the relationship is like this. No, they're happy moments within something but overall the relationship is not. Like it's not fulfilling, it's potentially triggering and also um, where are you doing the work on any of this stuff that's coming up? And I think, you know, what you speak to there around the triggering, relationship has the power and the capacity to be a really fantastic mirror for our personal growth. Yeah. So it's that idea of, oh, my, my partner is reflecting something back to me right now and it's my opportunity to integrate that. And going about it, blindsiding ourselves to all those areas where we've looked the other way, we're missing so many opportunities to to meet ourselves and therefore also meet our partner at a deeper level. Absolutely. I feel like you and I have talked about this a lot. I'm like, yeah, I've done so much work on myself on a personal level. I've done so much work on myself. It's great. I feel so great but I've done all this work on myself in the space of being single and not in a relationship. And I think, you know, that's amazing and it's wonderful and, you know, the journey is the journey. But I think this all shifts up a gear again once we're, like, in the dynamic of, like, learning how to relate to another person. Absolutely. It's that idea of and not to devalue work done alone because it's still it's required and it's powerful usually yeah and it's just actually understanding that we're essentially amplifying the energetic circuit it's this idea of you know okay you know we've got our own individual energetic circuit we're now running that energy in conjunction with someone else of course you know the bugs are going to be activated a bit quicker yeah um yeah hugely (laughs) (laughs) So it's understanding it's like all these areas where in theory I've got all of my my shit on lock, you know. Yeah. It's like in theory, like, you know, I'm not going to abandon myself for X, Y, Z. Oh, I'm actually confronted with the reality of whether I'm oh. willing to make a stand for no, I will not eat Cheetos as a meal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like <laughs> I I dip my toe into the dating pool and I'm like, oh yeah, no. There you go again. Okay, let's just like back out for a second here and like, you know, regroup. Let's regroup, team. We'll be ready. We'll be ready soon. Yeah. 
Um, roles within relationships. Do you think we play roles? Hugely. It's just talk, whether or not they're spoken or not. Talk to me. Talk further into the roles we play in relationships and potentially why. Well, I think it's that, uh, I mean, we could go, we're, I'm going to speak in neo-tantric terms here. So I'm just Beautiful. going to, to pre-frame that because it. it just gives it a really easy way of classifying things. Yeah. And there is language that I'm wanting to be able to cultivate, uh, be able to speak to this less in terms of gender. Mm -hmm. and I'm not yet, not there yet. So I'm going to yep. speak to it in the way that I best have language for it at the moment. Yep. But it's that idea of understanding that innately we're either in a holding the masculine pole or we're holding the feminine pole yep. within different sections of the relationship. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we can even go, we can divide the relationship down into so many quadrants. You can even look at it in terms of the Martini values. You know, you've got your seven sections of what our yep. life is, who's holding the feminine pole and who's holding the masculine pole in terms of the financial aspect of the relationship. Yep. And are you comfortable with that? Do you think that we underestimate the power of what we would largely describe as uncomfortable conversations in the space of a relationship? Yes. Uncomfortable conversations are one of those things. And, and I, again, I feel that this, this dynamic around our comfortability to have mm -hmm. uncomfortable conversations mm -hmm. shifts with the capacity to be able to not identify with what's going on. Absolutely. I think but in terms of like if you go like lay, lay person, right, someone who's not like, super in the pd space or um into you know like the dynamic of relationships or archetypes or anything sort of on that spectrum right the amount of times i hear women say like even small things like there's no way i could ask my partner to do that mm. you know and it's the collapse into what that means about me to ask absolutely it's the identification with it yes so you know to, to go back to the lay person it's like really being able to come back to where have i made that unsafe mm. and yeah what does it mean about it? me yeah and so when you say where have i made that unsafe talk into that a little bit further because i think that's probably something that like this, there would be an understanding on a superficial level of what that means where we're not talking about that. We're talking about like as in safety in within myself and in my own body, Where what have I made that mean? Where have I made this unsafe? Talk a little bit more into like what you mean by that. So I'm going to use a real-life example uh, in regards yep. to my late husband. Yes. And it became an unconscious role that I entered into mm -hmm. to clean the bathroom. Yep. And for a really long time, I just accepted that that was the arrangement that we'd entered into, regardless mm -hmm. of the fact that every time that I would clean the bathroom, I would just be filled with a low-level resentment. Yes. Yet I continued to play that role out. Mm -hmm. 
despite the fact that it was something that I clearly activated Mm. something for me. And I had made it like the story that went on was the other one is mind reading. Yeah. He should know. He should know. He should know. He should know that I hate doing this. He should know that I want the bin emptied. He should know that I don't like. Okay. Yeah. So that is definitely a component. Mm -hmm. And then the lack of safety was this idea of I should be able to, I should be able to do this and not be bothered by it. So it was a judgment on myself. Yes. The idea of why does this bother me? Why aren't I more selfless? Why am I more, you know, yeah. How can I deny myself and my des- my own desires anymore? How can I? Hmm. Hmm. So that's where it w- was unsafe. It was this idea of it now means about me that I'm selfish, which threatens my idea that it's bad to be selfish. So I'll just continue to suffer. Because, you know, in suffering, we are glorified. <laughs> That's we? such a trope of women. We become, so like, women. we become like something goddess-like in our suffering, <laughs> don't we? I'm like, fuck that shit. No more. <laughs> Smiling through the pain. <laughs> no, thank you. There's no badge okay. on this, you know. It's like when I, I always remember like when I was just completely segue when I was about to have my son, you know, like on the tail end of the pregnancy. And, you know, I go to, you, you know, I was having him in a hospital, whatever, to the free birthers out there. I went, I went and had a, a baby in a hospital. And, you know, you meet with like a team of people, right? And so when I met with this anaesthetist and he's like, just want to talk to you about what your birth plan is. And I'm like, I'd like to keep this open-ended with all options available to me because I figure at the end of this, you're not going to give me like a medal to pin on my chest to be like, look at you go, lady. You did that without pain relief. You did that without intervention. You did that without, you know. And he's like, yeah, no. Now, lots of women come in here thinking that's what you get at the end of it. You just get a baby and an experience and you choose how it plays out. Absolutely. And I think that that's exactly what, what you mentioned there is the distinction we get to make. Yeah. It's the experience. You what know, do you is this how on? I desire to have an experience? Correct. Even in relationships, you know, it's this yeah. idea of, you know, is this what I desire to experience? If not, what am I, what is making it? What in me is allowing this to pass? Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to come back to something around communication because I feel like this is like, I mean, for me, I I absolutely feel, well, the two pieces that I feel that are like, absolutely fundamental to having a really rich experience in relating, right, is that absolute radical responsibility in self, like I I hold responsibility for this container, you know, um, and my ability to communicate my needs. The other piece that I guess I, I came through for me in that, so, you know, that radical responsibility. Yeah. 
and this is slightly tangent and a tra- tangential yeah. of this communication piece. Yeah. But being that one of my core passions is empowering people to access their feminine. Beautiful. So in that respect, radical self-responsibility for our container also does not mean that we always need to be in control. Because that is the other, that's the other thing you'll, you'll notice. People polarise to the other end of the spectrum. It's this idea of I need to be so radically responsible, I can't ask for help or I can't be in my softness. And we've ended up with this generation of women that are so unwilling to surrender and be mm-hmm. in submission and be provided for, you know, in, in any context, not just in a relationship. So I think it's actually coming back to that place of yes. understanding that submission is also the most powerful position to be in. Yeah. And when we talk about like, when I talk about radical self-responsibility, I'm like in terms of being like, uh, what's the thing I've liked using at the moment? In the truth of who we are, right? Yes. In the truth of who we are, not with the mask on of I'm so... Because are we being radically self-responsible when we're in control? Because yeah. we're not. Because to not be that. in that control paradigm is like denying a part of myself. I would desperately love to actually be supported right now and I would love to ask for that support. I would desperately love to just be in my softness, in my vulnerability, you know. Love that, Yeah. Such a big distinction. Yes. But I don't know how to ask for that. And I don't know how to, you know, like the women I've been coaching lately, just to completely segue, like the biggest thing that the current group I have right now is like the biggest thing is convincing, presenting a convincing enough argument that like vulnerability is the ultimate strength for us. You know, it's that space without story or charge where we are in the closest proximity to the truth of who we are Mm. and what we desire and what we need. Absolutely. And I think the other piece around vulnerability that people forget is Say, for example, when you take a stand, like, you know, mm. just the, the imagery that comes to mind for this is, is the soldier that jumps over the trench wall vulnerable? Yes. Absolutely. Still standing for something. Yeah. Yes. So to understand that when we put ourselves out in our vulnerability, which is essentially being susceptible to attack, it's also a power, a position of strength and power. Yeah. Well, we're highly accessible, aren't we, in our vulnerability? Hugely. We're highly accessible. And, you know, we're all those things of like judgment, fear, rejection, you know, they're all very present in the room. Absolutely. And it's it's great that I I love that that's a big part of the transmission that you're imparting Mm. um, in your space because I'm, I'm much the same. For me, it's this idea of understanding that, being vulnerable in leadership in within your business is a catalyst oh. to actually giving permission in for other people in your space to step into theirs. And then, as you say, it's this transmission and permission for truth to enter. Yeah. 
so you know i i i note we've like largely centered on like romantic relationships but i think the thing that we missed right is that when we we have this like program or this construct where up until the point where we really start to like dive into what it means to relate right where we think our relationships when we talk about that i'm only ever talking about my intimate relationships Mm. and that's the only thing that i need to give any sort of like focus to Mm. but in reality my man mark groves you know i love the man talks about the fact that anything and everything within our life we are in relationship to yeah absolutely and i wholeheartedly agree with that and requires the same amount of like love and you know love and transparency and honesty and authenticity as what we would hope to bring to our romantic relationships so Let's talk about, like, vulnerability and leadership. Absolutely. It's, again, the way that I view the world is very much through a um, shamanic lens. Yeah. So from that capacity, it's understanding that innately everything has consciousness. Mm -hmm. So that is where that idea of being in relationship with something goes to that next level. Yeah. So... understanding that we are in both in relationship to our business Mm -hmm. we are in relationship to ourselves within that business and we are in relationship with our clients Mm -hmm. and our business is in relationship with our clients Mm -hmm. so in terms of vulnerability is that capacity to be able to strip back the layers to have radical honesty about what transmissions are taking place within those spaces What's the payoff for that? The payoff for that? Is this where I get my soapbox out? (laughs) (laughs) I've been talking this week, I'm like, you know, when we think about our behaviours and the way that we relate, right, and, and, you know, really having, even in myself, open up to the awareness that, like, every behaviour has a payoff. It may not, and that doesn't mean that it's positive, Mm. but there is a gain for every way we show up. Oh, absolutely. That's one of um, Carolyn Elliott. Uh, She wrote a book called Existential Kink, which I absolutely Mm. love. And basically she talks about this idea of having as evidence of wanting. Mm. So everything in our lives that we currently are experiencing on some level, like you say, there's a payoff. We we Mm. desire it, whether or not that's consciously or unconsciously. Yeah. So in regards to the payoff of actually showing up in our vulnerability to have that truth, we are able to operate from a space of consciously creating what we're wanting to transmit as opposed from playing from the place of shadow. Yeah. Because quite often we'll leverage, and it's the same, it's the same, like you said, it is a relationship. We'll leverage a dynamic to look to fulfill certain parts of ourselves as opposed to coming from a space of service. 
and that's a leaky energy to be bringing into a space, expecting mm-hmm. your clients to fulfill some part of your ego that you're unwilling to look at. Yeah. I like that. It's interesting, isn't it? I've been journeying with this concept the last week. I'm like, you know, and again, like this, the ego, right? Oh, my God, you're not getting enough out of this. Uh, Says who? Says who? I used an example last night in um, a call of two girlfriends of mine a couple of years ago had a major falling out. And they had a major falling out because one was in a situation where finances and childcare were like um, something very different for her. There was a lot of challenges around that, you know. And the other one was finance didn't did not have those constraints or challenges, and so was always offering like, "Oh, we can look after your kids, or I can pay for your dinner, or come along and I'll pay for your weekend away," you know. And after about 20 years, the one who was always on the receiving end of the the offers, she lost her shit, stopped judging me, stopped judging me in my life. It's not helpful. And the one who was, you know, the people pleaser, I can do these things, couldn't understand where the other one who was like, listen, I never fucking asked. (coughs) Stop judging me in my life that I haven't chosen this. Mm, Absolutely. Perry Chase put a really, really good, it was just a little real, but it was one of those ones where understanding we're in that situation, it's still egoic and how hard it is to see that it's egoic when 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 it appears to be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's the same when we're in service. It's this idea of, you know, overgiving and being under boundary. It's like, you know, I'm being so selfless in this space. Like, no, you're, you're feeding your ego. <laughs> you're feeding your ego. And on the flip side of that, the person that you think you're doing these things for, you're half drowning them. You're absolutely. pulling them up out of the water with your foot on their head. <laughs> I love that analogy. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> Why aren't you coming up? Because you're actually not fucking letting me. (laughs) It's so true. It is. It's this understanding of like in some ways we don't believe that that person has the sovereignty and capacity to 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 get up. Yeah. 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 (laughs) I love that. I've used this a lot. I've used this a lot. I've had a lot of people pleasing in my space lately and I'm like, could I present you with a different alternative in this like could I give you a different perspective here this is how it may occur to the other party right um I sort of wanted to ask you something else then okay when we say because I want I want to I'm conscious of the time but I also wanted to wrap up around the different types of relationships right And where we're playing from a wounding or a shadow. So, you know, I love the one where I, like, you know, we see it both times. Like men who, like, say, I 
I don't want anything serious. I just want to have fun. And I think, who says relationships weren't fun? You know, <laughs> Jesus, man, you're reading from the wrong fucking book if you think this isn't fun. No wonder you don't want to be part of this, right? And to the woman who's like, I just want to fuck buddy. I think it's like, again, it's a language problem. It's this idea of I just want sex. I don't want to cultivate anything that is beyond that. Like, you know, it's that idea of being able to have mm-hmm. language of is this a conversation for us to enter into a life partnership? Mm. Is this a conversation for us to, yeah, is this a fling? Mm. You know, I think it's just that, and this is one of the pieces that I absolutely love that I'm, I inherited recently was a basically a format for having a conversation before engaging in, in a sexual dynamic. Mm, yeah. There's this idea of RBDSM, and I think I mentioned this to you. Yes, before. you did. You did, yes. But, but I love this because this gives so much more clarity as opposed yeah. to this idea of nothing serious or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is like the first R is relationship. What is it that we're – because inevitably anything that where two people are engaging is a relationship. Like Absolutely. I said, a relationship with my bloody water bottle. Yep. What is your expectation for this relationship? Absolutely. Be boundary. Yep. You know, is this some, what are your boundaries? Whether or not that's mm-hmm. sexual or whether or not that's, you know, uh, I don't want you coming around to my house unannounced. Mm. I don't want you calling me. Whatever is the boundary. Yeah. What is your yeah. desire? What is it you're actually wanting to attain from this exchange? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the S is for sexual health. So obviously in the context of sexuality and M meaning. So what does this mean for you? And again, coming back to that uncomfortable conversation part, if everyone led into an exchange with someone covering those five things off, mm-hmm. you know, there'd be a lot less people walking home with mascara running down their face. Exactly. I love this, you know, even from like the dawn of time, I would be like, except I didn't have an awareness I could change the dynamic. But, you know, if I met someone, I'd be like, listen, I don't want anything serious. And then, you know, invariably feelings would develop and I'd be like, oh, now I've kind of done it, you know. At that point, I didn't realise that I could have a conversation and be like, listen, this is where I'm at. I mean, I would have the conversation very clumsily, you know. would generally be me like decamping from the situation. Listen, I'm going to have to pull out now because, you know, this is what we agreed on. But, you know, the amount of like women who are like, I'm devastated because, you know, I said I wanted this and now I want this and I don't know. I don't know how to be in relationship to my desires here. And you've just nailed it. It's this idea that somehow what I changing my mind is not okay which is what it fundamentally boils down to yeah right and attaching to what the outcome means about us like okay I thought I wanted casual sex yeah I've now developed feelings and if I communicate that into the space and I don't get the outcome I desire that that somehow means something about me End of relation. My last question, because we'll wrap up. But my last question, and this could be a really long one, but like you know, I'm hoping it's not. Ending end of relationship, because you know, things have a time. Some things have a time limit on them. 
ego versus actual oh yeah i think most of it's ego that's my take on it but ego versus actual heartbreak and i don't like the word heartbreak but you know what i'm saying right largely acknowledged i'm heartbroken at this point ego versus genuine loss of feelings I think that the biggest thing that's not, I, I think the distinguishing factor here is is grief. Yes. But this understanding of allowing for grief. Yes. Um, because, yes, we have the construct of essentially our core identity is built out around our relationship status, what we do for work and where we live. So when our relationship status changes, that is 100% going to affect our our egoic identity at that particular yes. point in time. So there is the inevitable mm -hmm. ego death that's associated with that. So grief over the ego death, mm -hmm. grief over the possibility of what could have been. Yes. Unfulfilled expectations. Yes. Yeah. Grief over the perceived loss of what was, even though it's already has been and you never lose it, but there is a grief that you somehow have. It's interesting. Yes. Yes. True. And, and just permission to allow for that grief. We're not very good at doing that, are we? No, we're not. It's because we're always, and again, it comes, this is something that um, Cody, Cody McAuliffe, yes. mentors, talks about yeah. this idea a lot, and it's something that I resonate with so deeply, is this idea that we spend so much time in argument with where we are <laughs> that we, we fail to act, essentially. I don't feel like be. that. I don't. <laughs> I do not feel like that. This is not okay, my current reality. Okay, well, we can, like, continue to argument, that, you know, we can debate this, but, you know. Meanwhile, the clock's ticking on how long you're going to sit here because you want to debate the... Hmm. And it is. It's this idea of, you know, this person, I love them, and now I shouldn't be here because I love them. Yeah. Oh, look, oh, full confession, I've rang, I've grappled with that. 100%. No, I, no, I don't. It was only a few months ago that I'm like, okay, I think it's time to, there was some stuff had come up with an ex-partner of mine, and I'm like, oh, I think it's time to. It's inconvenient, but to acknowledge that you still have feelings of love. That's okay. So I can't even say I still love him, right? I can say you still have listened to my ego in that statement. I still I still have feelings of love. Let's leave it at that, you know. But in that, there was such a release in that. That's okay. We're not a tap. Yeah. Just going to turn you off now. You know. I also, think it's it is. I think it's important to acknowledge there too. It's like what we make it mean about ourselves. It's, it's always the meaning making. It's just like, oh, I'm somehow pathetic because I'm unable to turn my feelings off or, you know, no. because my feelings are no longer being reciprocated in I this way, know. then that makes them invalid. Yeah. Yeah. Usually. Instead of and potentially embracing the perspective of, well, they're my feelings alone and I am the one who has responsibility for honouring those. Mm. Yes. Anything else you want to share on relationships? 
Mm. Anything you feel like we've obviously missed? Like, you know, that's such a deep rabbit hole. So, you know, obviously there was going to be things that inevitably we would have missed, but in terms of what's obvious, uh, like relate, relationship with your innocence. If, yeah. if you're going to if you're going to work on something that is going to groundbreakingly shift yes. how you show up in every single relationship you currently engage in, yeah. reconnecting to your innate innocence in all things. Beautiful. Beautiful. Love it. Hmm. Thanks so much. Thank you, babe, as always. And just for anyone listening to this, how does anyone find you? I am most active on Facebook under Jessica Ann. Um, my website is iamjessicaann.com yes. uh, and the Jessica Ann with a couple of underscores in there on Instagram. <laughs> Which you would find if you typed in the Jessica Ann, you'll find her. Yes. Beautiful. I'm just going to stop this recording. Fuck, I don't know where that's. Thank you.